0: Welcome to the Multifamily by The Slice Podcasts with your hosts, Dre Evans and Ike Eke. On this show, you'll gain unique perspectives from investors and professionals on all aspects of the apartment investing space. Do you want to achieve legacy wealth and live a life of financial freedom? Well, all it takes is that first slice of wisdom to get you started on the journey to building your empire. Please subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review, and pass it along to a friend that can benefit from a slice of multifamily knowledge. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome, 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 folks. This is another episode of the Multifamily by the Slice podcast. I'm your co-host, Ike Eké with Andre Evans here today. And we just finished speaking with Jordan De Silva out of Dallas, Texas. And man, what a great interview. We talked a lot about relationships and how they're incredibly important in this industry. He gave us some background about how his father built the company that he now runs. And there's just so many incredible nuggets in this one. I'm very excited for for this one.
1: How about you, Dre? Yeah, man, I'm very excited. Uh, he shared a lot of insights about the impact that his dad has starting the Web City properties business in 2005, how that packed him coming of age as a young man, he talked a lot about about the power of great relationships we talked about a tad bit about note investing and because of his business also webc invests in notes and single family homes and how they transition to multi family has a great case study in the legacy round round talking about the 50% burn distressed property that they acquired for a heavy lift value add he just shares a lot of great gems we talk about mastermind groups i think this is going to be a great episode for our listeners that's going to provide a lot of great solid nuggets that they can learn from in the new year for 2022. Let's get to it. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Multifamily by the Slice podcast. I'm your host, Dre Evans. I've got my co-host, the wonderful Esteen Ike AK in the room. What's going on, bro? All right. All right. Well, with no further ado, let's
0: get into the bio for our, our illustrious guests here. So Jordan De Silva. Is a 25 year old real estate investor from Dallas, the Big D, Texas. He is the CEO of Web City Properties, an investment company started by his father in 2005. Web City Properties owns and manages over 500 single family rental properties and mortgage notes and is entering the multifamily space in Texas and Oklahoma. Jordan enjoys taking on difficult value add properties, leading teams, and providing quality housing with great customer service. Jordan also runs a nonprofit dedicated to providing solutions for families living in poverty. In his free time, Jordan enjoys traveling, football, and trying new foods. Me too, actually. And that was a mouthful. So Jordan, give us a little bit more about your background, about your
2: your father's company that you're, you're working for as well. And just in your own words, what do you do? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for bringing me on. I appreciate it. So a little bit about myself, in, you know, it really starts with with my dad, like you mentioned. So he actually immigrated from from India to California, actually, Southern California. So he came from, from India to LA. He was investing in multifamily projects down in like the San Bernardino area, some of the, the Inland Empire, as they call it. So he was doing that in the 70s and 80s. And then in the 90s, unfortunately, there was a big economic collapse in that area. And he actually went bankrupt investing. He was investing with his two brothers, also immigrants from, from India. And it was one of those things where at that point in time, you know, he could have just turned away from real estate and gotten a safe job and, and said, you know what, I still have a, a comfortable life here in, in California and just relaxed, right? But uh, my dad was a little different. He was a little different. So he actually said, okay, I just became bankrupt. Well let's just go into single family right let's let's just on a little little small scale and just build it up from there right so multifamily he got a little caught up in building those that unit number got a little too aggressive too leveraged and and single family was the perfect switch so what he started doing was just going unit by unit with with single family and eventually he came to to Dallas Texas here in 2005 and and started doing single family mortgage notes and the model with that was you would just like a regular flip, but instead of flipping it for cash, he would do a note for thirty years and really allow a family to be able to have to have housing that probably normally wouldn't be able to buy a house with their credit or for whatever reason. So uh, that's kind of the the amazing model that he caught on and was able to scale that from two thousand five. And unfortunately, he passed away in in twenty twenty February, but you know, I grew up, you know, started in California, obviously, but my biggest memories come from, from Texas, especially when he moved and it was just him. Right. So our first house, he converted the, the garage to his office. And I just remember, you know, seeing him late nights, always at the computer in the garage, doing the work, putting in the hours. And then now we're, we're here 15 years later in a, a two-story office building that our company owns. We have 10 employees, in the office. We got 10 employees out in the field doing uh, renovations and and maintenance work. So he built an operation from the ground up. And not only that, but he took the time to teach me all the ropes. And so even though his passing was, it was unexpected. It's obviously tough whenever you lose your dad or, and not just your dad, but whenever you lose the guy that, that started a company, how do you continue on? But the amazing teachings that he gave me over time, have allowed me to be confident, allowed me to take charge. And so that's kind of where I'm at today. You know, three years, what is that? A year, a year later, almost two years later than from his passing, uh, we're still going strong. Every day is a learning experience. And for me, it's it's been about taking it a day at a time, as they say, very cliche, but it's important to remember because it was especially with real estate, man, the problems they're new every each and every day. So if you don't take it a day at a time. You lose out on the lessons that you can learn. So that's where I'm at today. You know, we still do the mortgage note business, but with the market the way it is, we're, we're heavy into single family rental properties now. We try to hold on to things, get that appreciation, especially here in Dallas. And then recently, you know, the last six, seven months, we've been getting into multifamily and really thinking about, you know, how can we scale this business even more. And of course, learned from the lessons uh, of the long past that, that my dad had to go through. So that's where we're at. I'm enjoying life. You know, life is great. Can't complain. Love real estate, love all that it's given me and all that I can give back with, you know, quality, affordable housing, and, and hopefully build this thing for a new generation for my kids. That's amazing, man. Jordan, I do want to dial back and
1: and talk a little bit about what it was like for you as a, as a child coming of age to a young man, watching your father grow this real estate business and how that impacted you, the lessons that he taught you?
2: Yeah. I mean, the memories that, you know, really stick out are not the successes, right? There's so many successes. The business has grown amazingly, but what you remember are the failures. You remember the tough times that he had to go through. You know, I remember so many times where we'd have, you know, a couple of times where he had to tell us, Hey, you know, somebody made be come into the house because they're, they're trying to get me, right? Whether that be a tenant, a contractor, we were investing in areas, you know, that people would have considered dangerous. He was investing in the lowest income, high crime areas in California and did the same model here in Texas. So, you know, we're experienced with being in areas that most people would probably shy away from. And that's how we were able to be successful. That's how he was able to, to be successful by setting himself apart. But with that brought some, some dangerous times. It brought some times when a lot of properties would be broken into, we'd have a lot of tenant issues. And so I remember being present when he would have to deal with those challenges. I remember going to houses and it was the norm for the houses to be completely, you know, torn apart when a tenant moves out. That was just, I thought that was normal for when someone moves out, there's a ton of trash left over. You know, it's, it's a pretty much a full rehab, you know, essentially when you're, when you're turning a your property because of the base that we had at that point. And so those those challenges, seeing those properties growing up, seeing the areas, and, and then seeing him how he how he dealt with it. And there was many times where he was dealing with it with anger, with stress, with negative energy. But then I also saw the progression as he grew older and uh, as he was able to learn from from his mistakes and deal with things better. Right, more healthy emotions, be more calm about things. Those are the things that really stick out: is how he's able to problem solve and how he's able to grow and learn from from his lessons, even though, you know, he'd done this for 30 years, he was still learning every day, just like I am today. Wow. Incredible. And one thing I want
0: to point out is a lot of times you speak with investors and they say, you know, I'm not going to go into the bad areas. I'm not going to deal with the deep properties, even if there's possibly some meat on the bone there, it's not worth the headache and the lost sleep at night. But you know, somebody has to own those properties. Somebody has to run them. Somebody has to, you know, add value to them, either whether it be in a construction basis or operating basis. And it looks like your father, yourself, and your team are undertaking that task. So I'd like to ask, you know, what sort of systems have you been able to build around investing in those lower income areas that have helped you become successful.
2: Yeah. And our first one is, you know, to your point about people not wanting to go in the areas because they lose sleep. Sometimes you even hear people say, well, I don't want to manage my properties because, you know, I don't want to get that call in the middle of the night about a plumbing leak or about Mm a pipe burst. Right. First of all, those don't happen very often, but secondly, to your point about the area, you know, I mean, how bad do you want to be successful? Right. When you, my dad, he, he came from a background of extreme poverty in India. And so, the stuff that he had to deal with in these low income areas was nothing compared to what he had to deal with growing up you know his dad died when he was a teenager and he had to start working full time and and going to school full time just to make it out of out of india right and so he knows what it's like to really struggle so sometimes you got to look at it as perspective i mean he has an opportunity to to change the whole outcome of his family and future generations So going to the bad areas means nothing to him if he knows that it can lead him to being successful, which it did. But to your point about the systems, right, you have to have good systems to be successful in those areas. And so a big thing about our systems is that we let the policy be the policy, right? And then we let experts be experts. Those are the the two main things that we, you know, carry our bag on every day that we're going to hire experts to do what they're there to do as far as dealing with collections, dealing with evictions, with renovations, right? We're we're getting people that are going to make the properties qualities, especially dealing with older houses that are higher capex, higher possibility of those bursted pipes, whether that's due to age or the previous person's renovation. And then the systems in place, you know, we we have policies in place for everything, whether it comes to like I mentioned the collections to advertising. It's a very seamless process that allows us to be more hands hands off because. I don't have to be the one telling everybody what to do. Everybody has those policies in place. They know how to follow them. And it leads rental management to not be as big of a as a hassle as you would you would think, right? So if we have tenants with us with different scenarios, we've we've been through it all and they know how to respond based on that experience and based on the policies that have been created to to handle those experiences.
1: Yeah, there's two things I want to point out that you said, Jordan. The first one was even if you manage the property yourself, right? And speaking of systems, what type of problems do you want to have in life? You're always going to have difficulties in life. It's just like working out at the gym. Yeah. Either you, it's going to be hard. You got to put in that sweat equity. You got to put in that work every time you work out at the gym, no matter what time that is, but it's also a harder problem when you walk around looking sloppy <laughs> and, you're not, and you're out of shape, right? Exactly. That's, that's hard too. So it's, pick your level of heart and you can apply that same thing to business, even if you're self-managing a property i rather have tenant issues running a business than having other issues of life or not having money coming in my business bank account. You know what I mean? And then on the other perspective of just like you mentioned of people saying, hey, I don't want to deal with tenants or I don't want to deal with the late night toilet, fix a toilet phone call. In terms of systems, whether you self-manage or don't or not, having a property management company that you vetted is a system that prevents you from getting that late night phone call. And even if you do self-manage it, if you have your handyman in place, if you have a business cell phone in place with automation, even if you did get that phone call, you might set it up where it goes to that handyman or handy lady and they pick up the phone call and they take care of that. And then all they do, maybe after a certain dollar amount, maybe if it's greater than $500, that's the only time that you get the phone call. But other than that, at the end of the month, you'll just get the bill or a statement from them saying, hey, Jordan, this is the work that I did on your property. And I think people don't really realize that. If you have your systems and, and everything in place, it's really not what they think. But again, people perish for lack of knowledge and they're so quick to look at the negative and and make an opinion about investing in a rental property, not understanding, not having the knowledge, lack of knowledge.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can you can make those systems happen like you mentioned. And in our case, we manage all our rentals. But we've been saved by, like I mentioned, the policies and the people, the experts, not just because they're good at what they do, but because we're good to them and we have a great relationship. You know, I remember just a couple months ago, I get a call. It's it's like nine o'clock at night. I'm enjoying myself with my family. And I get a call from from one of our people in the office who deals with work orders. And she tells me that one of our tenants called her saying that they have a tree through their roof, right? It's it's raining crazy outside. It's a storm and I got a tenant with a, tr- you know, a branch through their roof and there's th- the water could come in. It could flood the place. Now, who am I going to call at this time of night? Right. I'm thinking to myself, oh man, this is tough. What am I going to do? Maybe I call the city. I got call the fire department. Something's got to happen, man. I called my roofer who I've depended on for a year or two now, who's been super good, super great guy. This man, he goes at 10 o'clock at night and he fixes the roof and uh, temporarily Uh, allows for that branch to be to be out. He closes it up, seals it. So no water gets in. I mean, the dude does it at 10 o'clock at night. Now, why would he do that for me? He don't live close to the property, but he did it because we have a great relationship. I pay him on time. I pay him fairly. And he wants to do do good for me because we have the same values, integrity, honesty, hard work. When you build those relationships with people, even your roofer, man, you would be surprised how much it pays off for you uh, just by being good to people
0: that that was an incredible point and i think we should really highlight that you know we always talk about real estate being a relationship business and immediately you think about oh yeah you mean a relationship with your investors your relationship with your broker a relationship with your real estate agent but it's really a relationship business on all facets we're talking about contractors we're talking about the tenants themselves property managers everyone you come across in real estate that you you plan on working with long term Consider that relationship, the relationship you're building and and what you're talking about when you say real estate is a relationship business, because I guarantee you, if you use always the the cheapest bid for your roofing or the guy that can get it done the fastest, regardless of the quality, you wouldn't have had that relationship in place. And when that uh, tree branch went through the roof, you would have been scrambling. So you know, when you're building relationships, it's like you're putting small deposits into a bank account for that one day where you need to make a giant withdrawal. And you were able to do that
2: with this roofer. That was that was an incredible story that you just told us there. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And any any investor knows that the you know the, it pays forever to have great contractors that you have great relationships with, especially now where it's when it's hard to get contractors. Yeah, uh, just due to so many so many jobs out there, so much growth. Man, we, to have a, a team that we have on staff and with our uh, other outside contractors, man, it's been valuable. We
0: mentioned earlier that you guys have 500 units under management, which is already, already I'm sure, a handful. I'm sure your day-to-day is not something that's uh, easy to do.
2: But is, I should preface that. It is the majority of that is mortgage notes still that we manage. Okay. About a little over a hundred now of single family rentals that still, we yeah. still, So I mean still the, the point is <laughs> Yeah, five hundred may be a little tough, I can tell you. And and I know you're you're
0: moving into the multifamily space in Oklahoma and Dallas. And you mentioned value add. So so give us a little more color on what you're looking for in terms of your next
2: acquisition and how you're going about finding it. Yeah, I think we came into multifamily investing thinking that we could jump in and we want to buy, you know. 100 units minimum, right? And and just make it happen. That's how you're gonna scale. We wouldn't want to nickel and dime it, and that kind of changed. And you know, a couple months after looking at deals, realizing that we could not be competitive a lot of times with the deals that were out there, and just talking to other guys like yourself, and and realizing that it's okay to just to nickel and dime it, make it happen. You build these relationships, and a lot of times you can be more competitive, and then. Two, you can domino effect that into more relationships more teams i think whenever you see some of these you know bigger 200 400 unit deals a lot of times you know what's your equity in that deal really and how are you able to manage that as a team and where where are you going to be able to learn hands on unless you're an established institution or you know a bigger company so from our perspective now we see that you know we're we're still looking you know we love to see you know 100 120 150 unit deal but uh, primarily we're looking in that 30 to 90 range. So that, that's what we're looking at. And I think we're trying to get, you know, B-class area. I think it's just different. It's different than single family. It is. I mean, mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to buy multifamily in the same area where our single family are at, right? It's just, it's just different. And it's different because the numbers and the, the exit strategy and single family, you can hold on to these things. You can treat your tenants great. You can do your systems. And the area, you know, it, it does matter, but it, it doesn't matter as much because of how you're taking care of your own properties. Well with multifamily, it's it's a little more dependent sometimes on the area. And then the exit can be a lot more difficult based on those factors. So we're just learning that it's just different in how you analyze things. And so, you know, B class, uh, high C class area is what we're looking at. And then from the value add, like I mentioned, I mean, we've we've done it all from a rehab standpoint. We've seen burnout properties. I actually just bought a a four unit medical office here in Dallas, uh, that's 50% burned. So we're working on, on that project. So we're, we're not scared of, of big value add heavy lifts. We're not scared of management plays where we have to do a lot of different systems because we have that experience with the systems in place, right? We know how to implement them. We know how to adapt on the fly. and, And so we have that experience with the value add. We think that that can translate well to, to multifamily and, I think asset management makes the most sense for what we can do. But like I was mentioning to you earlier, we want to have that, that full suitcase of, of, of roles, right? The capital raising, the deal finding. So uh, that's kind of where we're trying to go. But from a unit standpoint, 30 to 90 to hundred B or C class value add, and then Texas and Oklahoma, you know, I, I think you start off with multifamily. You try to figure out where's my leverage at. And obviously Texas and Oklahoma are the closest areas I actually went to school at OU. I graduated from the University of Oklahoma. I have family there. Uh, I grew up going to, to OU games, so I know the area pretty well. So I think my knowledge of the area in Oklahoma and then obviously having grown up and lived in, living in, in Dallas and knowing Texas pretty well, I think those two areas in, are my primary focus because of the leverage we have. Now, we're not opposed to to other areas. We are always analyzing and trying to figure out the best markets to get into, we definitely don't want to be biased based on proximity because you can lose out on a lot of great deals that way. But uh, from a leverage standpoint where we can do with deal finding, be the boots on the ground, be better asset managers. We think that that's where our competitive advantage is in Oklahoma and Texas. There you go. You, you said a key unboxing that suitcase,
1: man, uh, extremely fiercely competitive, trying to go a hundred plus units. And obviously we get it. It's easier to scale. You've got payroll in place. You're pretty, you're buying a large business in one and it'll it will literally run itself. But as you mentioned, you got you guys got even smarter and you you went for the 30 to 80 units because a lot of them are mom and pop operators. And a lot of times it's deferred maintenance, it's bad property management that you can take over and run that. But we're gonna move on to our our legacy round. That's the segment, second segment of the show. It's an open forum for your to talk about your favorite acquisition that forever changed the trajectory of your business or your life, or it could be practical tips on how to grow a portfolio or your third option is how to build your investor network. I would recommend it probably be pretty interesting. If you talk about the 50% burn property that yeah, you got exactly. under acquisition, because I think that a lot of our listeners would love to hear you talk about that.
2: No, I think this one will be actually be the, uh, like you mentioned, I don't know if it'll be the game changing property, but it's certainly going to be, it's our first foray into commercial properties of that scale. So, you know, how we got this deal first, you know, I have a great CPA, man, the guy is amazing. It's always good to have a good CPA that knows real estate uh, and that knows what you want and, and is acting in your best interest. So my CPA, he was, he'd been working with my dad for seven, eight years and he's working with me now and we have a great relationship. So he actually came across this deal from a client of his, who's a contractor who was working on that property for the owner. And the owner, very eccentric guy, you know, he's, he's a, he talks a lot, funny guy. So he has this burn property and it burned in, in March due to an electrical fire. It had four tenants in it. I think they were, you know, a chiropractor office, a wellness center, a couple other medical uses. And then he was actually living in Austin at the time the fire happened. So he's kind of been, it's your typical seller profile, right? He's, he's retired. He's living in Austin. He's not. Really being too active in this property. is, you know commercial properties like this can be a little more turnkey. You don't have to do too much to, to them, right? So we kind of fit the profile, and then we met in person at the property after my CPA recommended I reach out to him. And as an interested buyer, initially I was a little you know concerned, right? Because anytime you see a property of, of this amount of damage, you're not sure how much you should offer. It's it's kind of a tough game. He was wanting three fifty k. Now I'm coming from single family where I'm thinking, you know, burned property. I bought a property, single family burned for like, you know, forty k, twenty five k, even now in these in this market. So three fifty k initially kind of scared me, but then when I did the the comps and I really figured out this area and the growth that it's that's happening, man, three fifty k was a was a bargain. And so we ended up going under contract, and then I ended up finding out that. Right across the street from this property, they're going to start building these luxury condos. And it's in an area, I don't know if, are you familiar with Frisco, Texas? No, I'm not. Frisco, Texas, if you look it up, it's it's the fastest growing city in, in the country, according to some publications. So Frisco, Texas, Collin County, that area is exploding. I think there's two of the top four fastest growing cities in the United States are in Collin County, Texas. So Carrollton, is, Texas, is where it's at. Is right below Collin County, so it's still in Dallas County, but it's right below. There's a, a huge, huge growth in that area. Um, a lot of industries coming in, tech, uh, medical spaces, obviously coming in. And right across the street is a, a new development's being built. So it works out, and it's an area. Obviously, like I mentioned to you earlier, I'm I'm more experienced in low income. We're not expecting a you know huge appreciation. A high crime. And this is the exact opposite. So it was a home run deal from the underwriting. And actually we just started my great contractors who I who I love. They started demoing on Christmas Eve. So they're making it happen for me. Wow. I appreciate them. So we're starting demo and then we're going to actually gut the whole place and, and then get it all the structural damage fixed. And then from there, we're going to hire a commercial leasing company to to get a tenant and then build it out from there unit by unit. So, it's an interesting deal. I think it's one of those things where you kind of have to learn the processes as you go and you just you think of it as it's a process-based business. It can scare you a lot less than just kind of jumping in, right? We're we're more experienced with small single-family rental properties and and mortgage notes. This is a 4 unit, you know, 4600 square foot commercial space in Carrollton, Texas with a very strict city, right? So, it's a whole new challenge, but it's so exciting to, to, to get into that and to an approach a challenge with that process oriented mindset, knowing that if we just take, you know, one bite at a time, man, this this property is going to be a legacy property that we hold on to. Hopefully, hopefully forever. I don't know if we ever want to sell it. I have to tell my grandkids, they better keep it to it. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it's getting property really, really exciting to have it. I was going to ask you what, what's, what's the plan on that?
0: And what's the exit? Are, are you, are you planning on holding it long-term? Because I, I would imagine, with the value that you're going to be able to realize given not only the value add of, you know, renovating the place, making it much nicer than it obviously is now because it's burned. And then also the natural appreciation of that specific local economy. I would imagine that's something you probably want to hold on to maybe refinance or if you finance it, did you, yeah. did
2: you finance it to buy it or? or yeah, we, fin- we financed it. We're going to refi right after we finish occupying the property. So it should be no less than, you know, six months to a year. Uh, refi wow. i have a great relationship with the lender so he's gonna allow me to refi pretty early like i said great relationships right they, yeah i was just gonna say dude,
0: play, yeah. we're, we're working a theme here like you got to build those relationships
2: relationship I got, you Yay, I got lender should um, <laughs> put on top of that you know normally this is what you see in some of these properties is that they'll they'll make you include the cost of the rehab into your to your loan in this case he didn't so to me that saves a lot of money especially because they're a lot more conservative on how much they estimate for rehabs so in our case, we think we have great relationships with contractors. We can do it for a lot less and we don't have to get a loan on it. I mean, for us, we got it for three, 3.25. I mean, that's, that's a great rate. 60, 60 months interest only, I mean, that's, it's a great rate. We, we're going to refi in a year and man, it's, it's a, it's an awesome deal. Sounds like a home run. Hold, hold it forever. We're, we're um, you're not going to find many people that are are more buy and hold than we are right now. We're holding on to everything. Awesome. So we're going to get into the last segment of the show, the Giordano round. As you know, this
1: is the Multi Family by the Slice podcast. It stems from Chicago pizza, Gio Donald's being the number one pizza spot there for deep dish pizza. And obviously the goal is you want our listeners to walk away with a slice of knowledge. So we're going to throw four questions at you, a series of rapid fire questions. Ike and I are going to go back and forth. The first one is routine is key. Describe what a typical day looks like for you and how small daily disciplined
2: tasks have helped you
1: be successful.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I came into... know, doing this and the first my, my father passed away and I was, you know, kind of put in charge to to take care of everything. I was like, man, my to-do list is just endless. So I actually started tracking my weeks on my, my notes app. Every week is a new, is a new note. And I have my list of rehabs. I have a list of buys, sells, I have my list of to-dos and I actually categorize my acquisitions strategy for the week, my nonprofit work for the week. And then I have an overarching just regular task for the week listed out. And then every every night, I will actually go in and take a look at my time slots. So every day, you know, usually, for instance, I'll, I'll just start with today. Monday, between 8 and 11, I deal with tasks related to the business. So today, that was, we bought a property, we had to get the water turned on. So I had to figure out, you know, which it was a rural property. So I had to call the get the, the city that jurisdiction called. So just routine tasks that you see right in the business. So that was from eight to 11. And then what I've been doing and, and like I say, you know, you got to invest the time if you want to get anything done in multifamily. I know that's tougher for people that have a W2. So I'm blessed to have the, the time. So from 11, actually all the way until the end of the day, I try to put all that time into multifamily and acquisitions. So that's building direct to seller systems. That's emailing brokers. That's underwriting. Getting educated on the writing, getting educated on today we we watched videos for about two and a half hours on asset management, so we could learn from the experts. So I, I spend the majority of my time every day on multifamily right now, and then after that, uh, between you know four to six, four to seven, I try to spend on uh, nonprofit work and other things related to that. And then from there, you know, I try to spend some time with family and relax a little bit. It's always good to to enjoy yourself and. I, you know, you work hard, but it's also good to to wind down and and remember what you're doing this for. So uh, that's an average day in my life, and I think you know tracking everything that I do will really helps me look back on things. But also every day, I mean every time, every minute of every day is is planned out to the point where I feel very focused on each task to complete every day. That's great. That's great. And I know we're in the showdown
0: round, but let's let's take a quick second and highlight your nonprofit. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that.
2: No, I appreciate that. So we try to take an an approach to our nonprofit different than most companies. We really want to be active in solution making. So a lot of times you'll see companies have a giving program where they donate money to causes and nothing wrong with that. But in our case, we really want to see how can we affect change with our knowledge and with our expertise and our connections. So we've actually, uh, our nonprofit does a food program every month, giving out 200 boxes to families in need. We work with some nonprofits that have been rebuilding houses and and fixing houses that need uh, disability accommodations. Uh, We're we're working with some organizations on affordable housing research and how we can affect change in the Dallas area. Affordable housing is an extremely big issue here, as it is in many other places in the country, with people just trying to find an affordable place to live, especially on low wages. So we're working with nonprofits in the area on research and giving our expertise on how that we can develop affordable housing. So our nonprofit does a lot of, you know, active solution making. And I think that's, it's important for anybody investing in real estate to, to give back into the areas that you make a lot of money off of. And uh, especially for us in low income areas, we really want to see, you know, change happen before our eyes. Love it. Doing
0: well by doing good. All right. So the next question, Uh, if there was one slice of wisdom you wish you knew when you got started or advice you can pass on to somebody that wants to do what you're doing,
2: what would it be? Well, first of all, you know, I'm extremely blessed to have a dad who started the business and took the time to teach me. So I don't know that I could, I can honestly say that you can do what I do because I've been so blessed, but I think from a standpoint of your mindset and doing what he did, I think it's being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. Obviously, you know he was okay with going into areas where no one else wanted to go. So, if you're not willing to risk it and willing to go to places that other people are not willing to go, I mean, how are you going to be successful? How are you going to get something that other people cannot get? And that's setting yourself apart, having a different mindset, being more hungry than than others. I think that's extremely important. That you you put in the work. You you know you put the grind in to make it happen. Otherwise. You're just talking, and I'm, I'm sure you've talked to some some talkers. You know, no one wants to, to hang out with a talker that that doesn't come back with action, right? So absolutely, being about the action, talking less. That's that's the biggest advice I could give. Let's talk about vocab. What are your favorite or three
1: most critical real estate terms multifamily investors should know and why?
2: Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. Man, I, I'm not a I'm not a huge expert on terms. I would I would say um, Man, that's, that's a tough one. You give me some examples. Okay, You know what? I'll switch the question on you. Okay. If you were
1: on the, the top of the highest mountain in the world and you had after you had one moment to shout out something that everybody could hear, you that you can impact and outreach to, your family, your loved ones, and after you said it, you would die at the top of that
2: mountain, what would you shout out to the world? That's a great question. Oh, man. Uh, I would probably say, you know, and and this is cheesy, you know, going back to, to Alexander Hamilton, I don't know if y'all seen the the musical, right. You know, what is your legacy? Right. So, you know, leave a legacy is probably the biggest thing I would tell the people. And, and it's because I look back at, you know, my life, been so blessed, look at my dad's life and he left a legacy that can never be forgotten because of his journey, you know, his journey. And I'm trying to tell his journey to as many people as I can, because it's just so incredible how he was able to to come from nothing and then, then leave the world, leave his family with, with so so much more than than what he had growing up. Everything that he did growing up for me was about reversing what his life was like. You know, that's that's you don't see it often where it's, it's it is business, but it's, it's it's in life where he was treating me with so much respect, with treating me as my own person, encouraging me, and telling me that I'm gonna be even better than him right? So he was from all aspects of spiritual, emotional, mental health and wealth giving into me so that I can be successful. And so leaving your legacy to me is the most important thing. And what, what do you want the legacy to be? Right. That's great. And just as another side, your dad sounded like he was an
0: incredible person, you know, aside from investing in real estate, which he clearly did successfully, the migration to the U S and, you know, pulling himself up by his bootstraps going through bankruptcy and doing it all over again. Like what a hell of a story. So I just wanted to point that out before we move on to the next one. I appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the next question, education is critical in this business. What books or mastermind groups would you recommend readers immerse themselves in?
2: Well, I'm in the, the MIA's make it happen. Mastermind group with um, Marco and Hadar. I'm sure. Are you in the group? I,
0: I'm in the Jake and Gino group and I've okay. I've spoken with Marco a few times about maybe joining that one, but I haven't gotten to it yet.
2: Right. Yeah. So I would, I mean, recommend looking into Jake and Gino or MIH really because of the values. You know, it's I've seen a lot of other guru groups and I I'm usually pretty hesitant to those things, but MIH has been the real deal from a family perspective, really helping you, you know, build connections and find people that have the same values of giving back, providing quality housing doing good for the world. And I found other people in the group that are very similar to me, including guys like yourself, right? You're all about, you know, putting the work in and, and treating people with respect, doing all those things. It's important you find people with great values. And so uh, MIH Mastermind Group, as far as books, I really, you know, Dale Carnegie's, I think that's the power. How to Win Friends uh, and Influence People. Yeah, it, my dad had me read that book when I was just a, a teenager. And that book still, you know, changes changes my life to this day with all the lessons I learned about, um, about influencing people and, and speaking and all those things that need to know. I think of, you know, there's a lot of things you can learn, learn skills, but the, the influence of people, right. They're building relationships with people. Like I mentioned to you so many times before, right. About how many great relationships I have in my life. Those things allow you to have the opportunity to learn the, the other skills, right. But if you don't have good mentors, you don't have good relationships with people you're going to be in for a lot of hardship. Even if you, you know, everything about underwriting know everything about financing deals, all those things are great, but you got to have the relationships. There you go. Thank you again, Jordan, for your time.
1: How can multifamily Family a slice listeners best get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, for sure. So my email is Jordan J O R D A N at webcityproperties.com. You can also visit our website, uh, webcityproperties.com and reach out from there. I'm open to to talking like this, talking about multifamily, talking about single family, just chatting up about real estate. I, I love, I love uh, providing as much knowledge as I can to to others. I love it, man. Love it, man. Well, thank you for your time, Jordan. You've added so much value. This, one was, this was a good one. I appreciate good, it, man. And you guys are great. You guys provide so much value, so much knowledge to everybody. You guys probably know a lot more than I do about multifamily. So I appreciate the knowledge that y'all have given me about multifamily yeah this is a great one jordan once
1: again folks another amazing fantastic episode on multifamily by the slice i'm your host dre evans again i've got my wonderful co-host here ike A.K. please subscribe to the show leave a five-star review and pass it along to others appreciate you guys have a blessed day
0: thank you for listening to the multifamily by the slice podcast Be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Lastly, check out the show notes for links to topics discussed, as well as website and social media links for Dre, Ike, and our guest.
1: See you next week.